Life at Work. Now, many of us know this, ageism. It occurs throughout our working lives and throughout the work cycle. It affects both older and younger people and can be damaging to individuals and social cohesion. Wouldn't it be great if all of us can work in an age-gnostic environment where people disregard an employee's age and decide what's best on the basis of skill, experience and talent? So, what if I told you there may be some truth in the saying... Life begins at 40 and that it is possible to improve your brain health and thrive all the way past your 40s for another 30 years. Joining me this week on Life at Work is Michael Netsley, a global award-winning executive development facilitator and coach and founder of a startup called Extend My Runway, which came about when he recognized that the medical methods for advancing brain health are just what we need for executive development. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to have you with me. Great to be here. Now, earlier this year, I remember very clearly actress Michelle Yeoh saying, ladies, never let anyone tell you you're past your prime during her acceptance speech at the Oscars. And she's 60 years old, right? So do you think that's a societal belief that we can be past our prime or is it really a fact backed by science? There is absolutely a societal belief that our prime typically reaches around 45. Mm -hmm. And when you look at some cultures, such as mainland China, they'll even say in your 30s, you're past your prime. But science is starting to tell us an extremely different story, that we can have prime cognitive abilities, prime thinking in our 50s, 60s, and even our early 70s, much later than expected. So you're saying that our prime could still be ahead of us. Well, I'm in my 40s, so... (laughs) Well, I would have guessed 30s, but you're absolutely right that when we hit 45, that's usually a time of adult transition. So in the same way that my 11-year-old boy is going to become a teenager, Mm -hmm. in our 40s, we can move to another stage of adulthood. It just simply requires a lot of hard work at our age. If we're able to make that transition, then a lot of peak cognitive abilities will emerge, such as innovative thinking, strategizing, focus, managing complexity, engagement at work, behavioral change that subsequently leads to a mindset change. So we might have newer stretch experiences. We might engage in coaching. We might actually train our brain and we can we can build those mental muscles the same way we build a muscle in our arm or our legs. But it's all about basically training ourselves to stretch, do new things and to unlock the opportunities that can happen later in life. And it is very important, given that people are living longer and Singapore is probably one of the world's fastest uh, aging societies, like Japan as well. When you talk about recognising those peak uh, cognitive abilities, how do you actually assess that? Okay, so our research partner, which is the Centre for Brain Health at the University of Texas, have this amazing research study going on that they call the Brain Health Index. Mm. And it literally measures things like innovative thinking, transformational thinking, Mm. the ability to perform abstractions, to separate the forest from the trees, so to speak, your ability to focus. So this can actually, at a performance level, be measured, Mm -hmm. can be 
compared to over 18,000 other people. And we'll know exactly what your brain is getting better at, what it's getting worse at, and what steps we can take to strengthen those mental muscles. Very, very interesting. So you've actually seen this happening. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's amazing because some of the people we work with are, for example, very successful senior executives. Mm. And when you look at their overall brain health, you're kind of taken aback. Like, how can you be as good as you are and have these brain health scores that are really very marginal? But as soon as they start to make changes in their life, whether it's fitness or improving sleep, or actually starting to train their brain. They literally go from great to extremely great. So whether you're you're somebody who's you know unsure of where you're at or whether you're a high flyer, these kinds of assessments actually help us know exactly what you're good at and exactly how we can help you get better. A lot of folks want to improve on their memory because this is such a visible change in our in our life in our 50s. But memory is actually not your most important cognitive function. No. Nope. <laughs> it is not. It is not. Let's think about the world that we live in today. Everything around us is changing. And some of the tactics or approaches that we used 10 years ago are not quite as relevant today. Mm. But what we want to do is we want to be able to take what we know has worked before, apply it in the new context, retrofit it, and make it work. Mm. We want to find success. This is the essence of what it means to live and work in the 2020s. And this is called transformational thinking. This mm. is your cognitive platinum function. And you again, you peak in your 60s. So any manager or any business that wants to transform, on average, it's going to be the older employees who have more raw potential to perform this kind of thinking. I know you focus on the cognitive capabilities that can peak during, you say, our 50s, 60s, and even 70s. Just how good can we become during these additional 30 years of life? We don't know yet. And that's what's so exciting about this. So much neuroscience is focused on deficits in disease. Mm -hmm. What happens when we get dementia, for example? And we don't yet know the answer to just how good can you be? What is the upper end potential? Mm -hmm. That's what interests me is starting to get an answer to that. Mm. And the world is filled with people who are in their 60s who are simply amazing. Mm. Let's find out what that high end is. It's looking extremely positive. Um, our, our research partner at the Center for Brain Health published an amazing study about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And they looked at neuroplasticity, the ability for your brain to change. They were shocked. There was no substantial difference at all between brain change in the 20-year-old, the 40-year-old, and the 70-year-old. Mm. But that's 30 years of great employment that employers are missing out on because they don't know how to tap into that and ageism kicks in. Okay, you know, this ageism, it really makes it harder for older people to remain employed and to find a new job if they're laid off. And and older people are seen sometimes as being less productive or more resistant to change. How prevalent do you think this bias is and how can this science 
help. This bias is extremely present. It is both a bias and a discrimination. The bias is how we think. The discrimination is what we do. And all it really takes is a small event to trigger this in a manager's or a senior executive's mind. Maybe you've called in sick a few too many days. Mm. Maybe your hair color is starting to change. Maybe you've not picked up on chat GPT as fast as other employees. <laughs> Once that kicks in, it is extremely prevalent. Mm. And what you'll see is that the L&D investments that are significant go to the younger employees. And the less expensive ones will then go to the older employees. The prime development opportunities will go to the younger employees. In fact, you'll hear countless older employees say, I sent out a resume, I can't even get a response. Mm. So it's very, very real. Now, our aspiration is to take all of this amazing neuroscience that is completely rewriting what we understand about older employees and put it in the hands of employers. Because no matter how much upskilling we do, how much preaching we do about ageism, unless there is an actual increase in demand for older employees, nothing's going to change. So our hope is that we can drive the demand side of this equation and help employers realize, look at all the amazing things that you can do, things that you already want for your business. It's there. We just have to know how to tap into it. Michael, so what can employers do if they want to go deeper into this? I think there are two steps that can be taken. Number one, you need to turn to science and data. We need to provide executives and managers hard, verified evidence that just because I'm 50s or 60s, I've not missed a step. So that's going to be the first step. But the second step is we actually then need to tailor the learning and development for people in their 50s and 60s. And that's a fundamentally different challenge. For example, this notion of baby boomers or Gen X or millennials has completely failed all scientific tests neither valid nor reliable. So you've got to have training methods that stay away from this armchair pseudoscience, and you've got to adopt training methods that can, in a meaningful and a valid way, say what's different about the older employees. The key thing is that they bring experience. So how do we tap into that experience and help them adapt it to today's problems, today's challenges? And that's different than teaching knowledge or memorization or multiple choice questions or any of that. Mm. It's a very different approach. So it's a complete overhaul of how we've been looking at it. It is a complete overhaul, absolutely. And mm. what follows from that is you then need to redesign work. How do we help align the strengths of older employees with the needs of our customers so that those cognitive strengths can actually be used to create value. What does a non-ageist organization look like to you? A non-ageist organization? That's, I've never had that question. That's <laughs> a great one. So a non-ageist organization will probably begin with data. Because if we really look at the entire lifespan of an individual, what your brain is best at in its 20s, is different than what it's best at in its 40s, which is going to be different than what it's best at in its 60s. Mm. So if we begin with data and we know your strengths, 
we can not only leverage and align the work to those strengths, but we can also prepare you for what we think is going to come next in your career. And whether you're young or old, it's irrelevant. Whether you're national or foreigner, man or woman, it, none of that matters. It's purely capability-based and trying to help get the best out of people and create meaningful work, meaningful lives, and a successful business. I'd like to get into a bit of the tech part of things, the AI part of things. Just how is that being implemented into this whole research? The AI that I'm working with is actually part of my startup, Extend My Runway. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is building an AI engine that adapts to your unique strengths, Mm -hmm. the work you're doing, and the brain energy levels that you bring to work each day. And so what we're doing is we're nudging you based upon those unique insights about you, but we're nudging you to just do one item a day, just one item, so that you can be a little bit better on this day. Let me give you a, a very simple example here. Let's say that we have somebody who is responsible for a safety inspection mm-hmm. of submersible equipment. Okay. okay. This individual for example, has had less than six hours of sleep for two nights in a row. What the AI will do is know that you've not had enough sleep, your heart rate variability is high, so you're a little bit stressed, Mm -hmm. and you're probably not of the best mind to perform an optimal safety inspection. So what the nudge will say is, maybe somebody else should do this today. So we want to know what you're doing in that particular moment. Now, it can also be used developmentally. And we might say, for example, you've worked for 45 minutes straight. Think about taking a five-minute break and coming back to the work with a fresh mind and a fresh eye. So it can nudge you behaviorally to make changes that actually benefit the quality of your work and the productivity. Very interesting. What happens is that by changing your behavior, you rewire your brain. We're using science and AI to look at the behaviors that are going to be most helpful for you. And we're going to nudge you to take those behaviors every single day, which is a lot like going to the gym, picking up a weight and doing a certain exercise for resistance training. In the same way you're strengthening that muscle, we're strengthening the neural pathways that allow you to be more innovative, more focused, more transformational, more collaborative, right on down the line. Just by changing your behavior. Just by changing the behavior. It's called behavioral neuroscience. Rewiring the brain. Literally. It usually takes 20 to 40 years for uh, cutting-edge science to reach the mainstream of society. And much of this research is only 15 to 20 years old. So we need to be talking about it a lot more Mm. and help these discoveries find their way into society, into organizations, and into individuals' lives. I know that you are currently working on a course at the SMU Academy called Train Your Brain, How to Improve Brain Health and Thrive After 45. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. So the SMU Academy course, which, by the way, is Skill Futures 
credit eligible. It's all about helping people tap into and benefit from this science that's coming from Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Texas. And it's showing us exactly what we can do to train the brain so that during your 50s or during your 60s, you're going to be able to read the emotions in people better and apply that at the workplace. Or you're going to be able to focus and manage complexity and apply that to create value for your customers. Or most importantly, a peak that happens on average in your early 60s, we teach people how to strengthen that mental muscle around innovation or transformational thinking. And again, how to apply that to your personal life or apply it in the workplace. So this is really all about taking this amazing science that's rewriting our understanding of what happens in our 50s and 60s and putting it in the hands of Singaporeans. Thank you so much, Michael, for your time and for sharing all about how we can improve brain health and thrive. Thank you. And hopefully we see you in the SMU course. Michael Netsley, the founder and CEO of Extend My Runway and affiliated faculty and executive coach at IMD Business School. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Life at Work.